Welcome to the final installment, at least for now, of our conversation with Jay Graydon. John, how you doing? Good, good. This is part three. This is uh, this is big. Unless we're going to do a trilogy of trilogies, you know, like we are, yes. yeah, like Star yeah. Wars did nine episodes. It will be a franchise. Very I think good. That's what they call that? Yeah. Um, well, so good so far, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think Jay could go on and on and on and still keep us interested. So I. What are you yeah. going to say? <laughs> yep. Part two, like I said last week, was uh, it got a little funnier. Some of the stories just got a little more rich. I don't know if it was because <laughs> we had them on longer, but uh, part three, I think, has got some interesting nuggets, including like a, I think, a lore of um, Yacht Rock, which is how the whole Earth, Wind, and Fire after the love has gone, became after the love is gone. Or, yeah, right? yeah. And how that was supposed to end up on a Champlin album and but not so fast, my friend. Not so yeah. fast, my friend, I should say. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but in typical Jay Graydon fashion, there's even more detail that I never knew until you get the version, Jay Graydon's version. You get a lot more of the backstory and the detail. And so that was interesting yep. for me. And the why and all that. And um, he tells us some of uh, his three, the three greatest singers he ever worked with. So that's worth hanging around for. Yeah. See if you can figure out who that is, listener, right now. Um, the answer will shock you uh-huh. if you haven't heard it before. Um, but going back to the uh, the level of detail, so picking up part three, um, hopefully by now people have gone to jgraden.com or jgraden.net or the Jar Zone or any of his websites, and you get a sense for the way Jay Graden likes to write in vivid detail, almost like he has not a care in the world how long this piece is going to be. I'm just right. going to explain everything. And it's really interesting to read. And like you suggested, maybe listen along as you're reading, you know, listen yeah, to the- because he has it documented and sometimes tells the story about uh, how he had to create a song that maybe didn't have a click track, but the drummer comes in later and has to play along with the, what's already there because there's not enough tracks left. He has to record on the track where the click track was and how he worked all this stuff on. Every song has a story like that. Yeah. Which is kind of where we pick up in part three is this album. It's uh, past to present M dash the seventies, I think is the official title, but you don't say M dash. It's just there. You just did though. Oh, okay. okay. So past to present the seventies, which is really cool. He found what these, they were audio tapes or I mean like analog tapes, right? Some were four track, eight track, 16 track. Um, some, a couple of them, he could only find the, the final rough mix and he mastered those up as best as he could. Remixed them. He played, I think he said one new note on all the <laughs> yeah, tracks. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we should just have Jay tell it. What do you think? Yes. And I want everyone to stay tuned because we have a return of our supersonic smash up. And it's a Graydon specific one at the end of this episode. Ooh, yeah. Actually, let's do some more teasing. So people don't tune out right away. Maybe okay. they already have, but for those who have stayed this far, we've got a world premiere of a remake of something of a buried treasure. Yes. Um, and that is in conjunction with a, an exciting announcement of another yacht rock tribute tour that is starting this weekend. Yeah, and we'll have more details on that, and there's a big name involved in that, and that is going to be relevant to the podcast. We hope. Plus, another world premiere. Well, maybe it's not a world premiere, but it's going to be new to a lot of our listeners. Um, going back to our conversation with Derek Holt of Climax Blues Band, right? He's reunited with a founding member to put out a whole new record. It's coming out in January, so it's already out, and uh, we'll play uh, a track off that as well. 
Why not? Let's move along. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move along. Speaking of moving along, let's jump back in to our conversation with Jay Graydon. And uh, I guess I'll hand it back off to me because I think I yeah. pick up right here. Here Correct. we go. I was going to ask Jay um, a couple ways to ask uh, to get you onto a, the same topic. One is if you go to a Jay Graydon website, jgraydon.com, jgraydon.net, the jar zone, any, there's so much writing and information in context and story and details. It's just amazing. You could lose yourself in it. Perfect example of this is when you discussed a more recent project that you, at least that you put together was this seventies past present album. So good. Oh, it's so good. And so talk through what that is. If people haven't heard it, they should go check it out. They should buy it, but talk through how that came together and what that is. So I was going through, um, all right, I get pro tools, um, in the early two thousands, I was using ADATS up to them cause I was part of the, uh, I was a consultant for the project. So I got Pro Tools, and then I'm, I realized that I've got all these analog tapes, and I'm probably not going to use the 24 tracks anymore. They're going to probably be dust gatherers, which happened. So I need to get all these analog tapes baked because they're too old. And you know about baking tapes, right? I do. Yep. Yep. You know why? Because they get sticky and the moisture, so you want to kind of gradually dry them out enough that... Right. That do you when know they, why when... they get sticky? No, that I do not. It tapes a petroleum-based product, and it just starts leaking out its oil over time. Okay. So, and there was another story with the Manhattan Transfer Man where the tape backing started coming off, man. I made backups, but thankfully I never had to use them, but I had to clean the heads after every mix pass. That's another story. So anyway, (laughs) I had to get all the tapes baked. And I said, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to transfer everything to Pro Tools and I'm going to do it all at once. So I found a lady that worked at Ampex that lived near me, and she baked tapes in her cooking oven. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, eight hours at 125 degrees for two-inch 24 tracks. Each tape had its own little, you know, uh, time amount. So I had all of them baked. I only had problems with one tape. But I transferred them all to Pro Tools, and I go, you know what? This is starting from my four track that I'm looking at right now that still worked the last time I turned it off about two years ago. That thing was bought in 1971. Then I had an eight track and then 16 and then 24. So I had all these different configurations and I played the eight track tapes on the 24 track machine. I figured out a way to Mickey Mouse it up so I wouldn't wreck the tape. Um, And here I am with all these old demos that I did. And I thought, well, maybe I should release this. I mean, it's kind of a autobiography of me musically starting in the early 70s. Why not? So I did. That's how it happened. And there is so much detail that you remember of, uh, you know, it's all documented on the website for people to check out song by song. Personnel is listed, whatever you were able to remember from techniques that you used during the sessions, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, there is extensive detail on every song. So it's great to give a listen and have that up at the same time. That would be my recommend for listeners. There's also three songs on there that were that could have been airplay. One of them was the demo that got us the deal. Should we carry on? Maybe the thrill is gone. I'd like to 
Should We Carry On was the first song we wrote, and it was an accident how we got the deal. We weren't writing it for us in mind. We were writing it for um, anyone. And uh, uh, Tommy Matola was not yet the chairman of Sony, but he had ins everywhere there. So he played it for the president, and the president wanted to sign us as a band. And I go, man, I'm not a singer. Damn it. David says, oh, well, look, let's do it. So we, we, I sang half the tunes. Then I said, we need a high tenor. So we found Tommy, and then we wrote tunes that were like high tenor style type. But anyway, she waits for me. The original demo is on Past to Present, the 70s. There's another tune that we recorded called Count on Me that I mm -hmm. still really like, actually. And that's a good example of David and I and what we do. Then there's a theme for a TV show that Ted Knight was going to do, but they didn't pick up the deal. And I really loved what we wrote for that. And I was thinking about that the other night, that tune. It's pretty cool. So are all the recordings that from your session days, or did you do any new recording once you started putting this all together and mixing it for release? No, but I did fix one bass note. You're going to love this. There's a song on there called um, Throw a Little Bit of Love My Way. Throw a little bit of love my way. I played bass on the song, and there was one note. At some point, the, the transport on the 16 track, the take-up reel stopped and chewed up a little bit of the tape, but it only really affected the bass note there. So when I bounced all the stuff over to Pro Tools, I still have the 62 Precision Bass, and I still have that direct box. So I plugged it in, and I fixed the one note. One note. That was loaded with this because of the tape issue. So that, that was the only playing I did any of that stuff. My favorite on there is uh, Secret Love. Of course, that one you weren't able to remix because you said you only were able to find the two-track. But I love how you let the um, the fade-out go extra long just to keep uh, Mike Baird's super cool drum fill in there. Or is that <laughs> well, on... Uh, that's on It's Right to Be in Love. That's on It's Right to Be in Love. Champlin. Yeah, Secret Love is the one with Mark Jordan on it. That's right. Right. That's right. But, now, but I love both of those. Yeah. Uh, there's, did I mention the story, what that song was, why we had that song? Which one? Secret Love. Secret Love. Uh, no, I know you You talk about Mark uh, has a hiccup in the middle of it or something. <laughs> well, he was doing a rough. He was yeah. doing a rough for, we were recording that for a Japanese artist. And yes. he was doing the rough. And I think that was the master for the Japanese artist. And I said, what the hell? I'm just going to put this on the record. It just, it's, you know, it was a rough, <laughs> a rough vocal. Yeah, well, Sounds I really good. like it, yeah. It was a rough mix. I don't. I didn't do the rough. It's probably done a Dawnbreaker. I think Joe Bogan probably did it. But I like the rhythm, the way I played the rhythm guitar part on that tune. It was a different concept that I didn't use too much, and I liked it. Also, Jeff Picaro plays a fill on that song that I'm going to have to write out and recreate for drum machine stuff. It's a great fill. Just mind-boggling. It's way I just love it. And by the way, Jeff used to come over I when the when I had the four the eight track songs like um She Waits for Me um and there's another one where there's a very guitar hooky thing that's really memorable. Um 
uh, Jeff would play drums on the stuff for me. So he'd come over and, you know, second take, we're done. And uh, that was cool of him. Yeah, you even mentioned on there that sometimes you're not even sure if the click was still on the tape by the time Jeff laid his parts down, depending on the order of how things went down, which is really interesting. Typically, it wasn't. I remember using this, uh, uh, it wasn't a click, it was some kind of drum machine that had these crazy sounds. It was one of these things where you could um, create polyphonic beats like five against four against seven. Anyway, I... What I did is I kept the one, two, one, two, three, and I had to erase it right there because that was going to be the drum track, mm-hmm. was part of the stereo drum track. So, yeah, there was Jeff just had to play to my time, but I played with the click all the way, and my time's pretty good. So, you know, he never had a problem. It was always great. Oh, of course not. Jeff, yeah. geez. <laughs> Second take. Thanks, Jeff. Give yeah. me a- you say, give me a copy, man. I go, fine. I'll make a copy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Jay, we have, uh, I think we have two more things we want to cover. Um, and then we'll let you go. And then if you ever want to come back, we'll do this again. Cause I could literally do this all day. You should be doing videos, man. It's <laughs> all, you know, it's, it's even better for people. So can't consider it. Yeah. Well, people yeah. tell me I have a face, uh, a face for podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? You cats look fine. It, you know, it, 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 it's, it works and you have the right attitudes. Both you guys know how to interview, you know how to talk. You'd be, you, you'd do well. I'm going to put that on my, that's my Facebook status. Jay Graydon says, I look fine. You do. You know, (laughs) Jay, I think in closing, we want to cover two things. One I've never heard you talk about before. And the other one we have, but it's such a good story for our listeners who haven't heard it. They got to hear it directly from you. So I'll lead with the first one. That was a surprise. Right. I got something to talk about too, which is, um, let me tell you now before I forget. Okay. Go for it. Um, uh, because I did Greg Schleffer so much and the guy that who owns orange tree and uh, another friend of mine, Chris Poehler, excellent bass player, man. He's medically messed up, but he's still, uh, you know, punching away. We decided that we're, uh, you know, all the young cats are always looking for new sounds, right? Okay. The DX seven disappeared, didn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, how about 10,000 DX seven sounds? We're about halfway done. We got libraries from everyone. We got the best programmer stuff that is, and plus all the stuff that guys program for me. Some of my DX7 still worked, so I got all the stuff off of them. So we're going to release that. It's a long process, man. This will be sampled? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, all the best of the DX7 stuff. So it'll be new to the young cats. They've never heard it in use and it's completely different sonic. Yeah. And all that TX series stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this will be out on, on orange tree samples and it'll probably be a couple of months. And then that's going to lead to some other old archaic cool synth stuff and sampled stuff that nobody has. Cool. Well, uh, this may be a short answer, but I want to get your take on it. And then, uh, We'll give you a chance to do a, a, some yep. storytelling. Yep, that I've got one you want to bring up. Yep. But so we, I don't know where we came across this, John. You might remember, but you stated who the best singer you ever worked with was, and it was a surprise. It was not a yacht rock uh, artist. Do you remember, or who do you consider the best singer you've ever worked with? Well, there's three that have incredible pitch all the time, 
And I know who you're going to say, Donny Osmond, right? Yeah, that's somebody Correct. said they heard that in an interview. Yeah, with you. Too bad that album didn't get finished. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it. It's not worth it. And he's a great cat, man. He's a great guy. And yeah. Every pass was golden. And we wrote a tune with Michael Jackson. Michael came over here one night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's too bad that album never got finished, man. Yeah. There's some bootleg sets out there of some poor mixes that there was other stuff that got added. And then it just, Donnie's got the tape somewhere. I mean, if I really bugged him, maybe he'd find him and we'd finish it someday. Who knows? Yeah. Bug him, bug him. So who were the other two then? Who are the other? You said there were three singers. So Donnie Osmond. Rich Page, Every Pass, yeah. Masterpiece, In Tune, just ridiculous. Um, and the third is El DeBarge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great ears, great pitch sense. And he's got, he was, he would tell me what track, I always recorded vocals on seven tracks, and I'll teach how I did this with a master lyric list. And I grade each track next to each line. And I could tell if I needed to go back and overdub things, because if a track didn't get at least three nines out of seven tracks, I didn't have it. Long story, I'll do it on the YouTube channel. So anyway, oh, cool. with L, I used 17 through 23, and 17, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 3, that's seven, right. And then one track for the comp, which was track 14 back then. And um, L would say, oh, you're on track 20 again. I go, how can you tell <laughs> sonically the difference? There's no difference from the feed. I mean, maybe the cans. I mean, I'd put on the cans and I'd listen to them. And then I'd change modules and I'd listen. And I can maybe hear a little level difference. But it wasn't much because I try to match it perfectly. But yeah. he could actually tell what track we were on. I couldn't believe it. That is. Did, did he ever say how he could figure it out? He just—it's just like my golden ears thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden ears too in that realm. It's just in that you know if you—it's a gift. You don't know you have it until you find out somebody else can't do it. Yeah. Is it one of those True. gifts like like people say about perfect pitch, where it kind of becomes a curse because you end up almost you're you're hearing it so often or you're bothered by stuff that wouldn't bother normal people. That's true. By the way, as guys are aging like Foster, he's lost his perfect pitch. Oh yeah. He's typically a half step flat. <laughs> he, and after I tune him up and if I tell him, no, that's a, a G and after I tune him up, then he's okay. But I'll catch him cold when he's not near a piano and I'll check him. You know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll pull out, I'll do my trick first to find the C and then I'll check it on GarageBand or on a guitar or something before I talk to him. And then I'll, I'll say, okay, sing a B. And then it's typically going to be B flat. And this is happening to a bunch of my friends with perfect pitch. Huh? Yeah. Well, we'll have to get David on the show to <laughs> either defend himself or. Uh... Well, he'd be the first one to tell you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we want to. How do you, you're, you're given a gift, you know, yeah. And, and, and then it goes away. And, you know, you don't, the only way you're going to get perfect pitch is if you're taught the name of the notes on the piano when you're really young. You need to, you need by the age of seven after that and maybe over. Well, Huey Lewis lost his ability to hear any notes. He became, I think they call it music deaf. Yep.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, John, speaking of David Foster. Yes. So there's a story, um, the big song after the love is gone. Now I've, you know, read a whole lot of different things about how this came about and I have a shell of an idea. Um, but because I'm getting it off the internet, I know it's obviously not reliable. So I wanted to go to the source. The the question about it is that, that originally it was being, well, when you guys wrote it, I guess it was of the understanding that when you presented it to Earth, Wind, and Fire, it was one of these, oh my gosh, moments, we don't even have the verses or something all figured out. Well, the question was, and I want you to explain all of it, but there was supposedly some moment where at one point they thought it was going to be on Champlin's solo album and somebody had to break it to him that it was going to Earth, Wind, and Fire instead. Is that part of the story? Yes. Okay. I'll get to it in chronological order. Okay, please. All right. Foster produced an album on J.P. Morgan in 1976. Love it. So do I. Oh. And of course, I got a tune or two on there. And of course, yeah. and everything. And it, and Jay is a sweetheart. She's still on the planet. I'm pretty sure. I got a, I should call her. Anyway, yeah. um, they didn't have a deal. It was being funded by the guy that owns Sound Shitty, which is Sound <laughs> And it doesn't sound shitty, but it got it got. It, the it looked like it, yeah. It, got, it pretty much was pretty old and funky, but it was a great room and it had Neve consoles, you know, the old yep. uh, seventy three. Yeah, great documentary about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, why am I not in that? I played. I worked in that studio a lot. Hmm. I ghosted a cheap trick solo in that studio. Hmm. The more you ask, the more you can learn. Yeah. I had to teach it to Ricky. <laughs> He's a nice guy. That's a long story. I'll wait for the autobiography for that one. Yeah. It gets cool. out, but not because of the music. Anyway, and not because of anything between us. Um, okay, so here's how here's what happened. So David went with Joe, the owner of Motown, to um Motown to pitch the album. And then David was playing some song that he wanted to pitch just as a song and he couldn't, or he was just playing a song and he couldn't remember the chorus and he ad libbed what ended up being the chorus. And after the love has, or is has right. There's two titles, right? (laughs) How that happened when we get to it. So David calls me up from Motown. He says, I'm coming over. I got a great chorus idea. So he comes over we go into my studio of the time where I, when I live in this, uh, the pad before here. And on my roads, he plays the chorus. And I said, I got a verse idea. And I played Amy to seven for a while. D minor six, love is all you can know. A major seven, the C seven altered some way. Da da da, F minor seven, da da D major seven, da 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 da, something like that. So, then we uh, wrote the B section quickly. This whole thing maybe took an hour 
no more tweaking it to really get it really good. So then we gave the song to Bill to write a lyric because David was producing Bill at the time. Bill Champ. Right. Mm -hmm. Now we cut the song maybe three times with Bill with different rhythm sections. <clears throat> there was a good version. I can't remember which one it was. Um, and who knows what happened to those tapes. So when Foster played the song for Maurice, because he was writing with Maurice for the I Am album, Maurice says, I want to cut that. <clears throat> and David says, when? He says, tonight, right now. <laughs> okay. So um, after the session, the next day, I'll tell you about um, the session in a minute. After the session, uh, David called me and says, look, man, I don't want to have to pull this from Bill. I can't tell him, man. It might break his heart. I said, I can deal with Bill. I was really tight with Bill. Am still. So I called up Bill and I said, look, they cut the tune with uh, Earth, Wind & Fire last night. And you know what that means. Because in that day, there were, you, you couldn't release. It was an unwritten law that, you know, you can't pitch the tune to somebody else and have it released in the same time frame. Yeah. So I said, Bill... And he says, stop. You don't have to say anymore. You think I'm an idiot? <laughs> right? Earth, wind, and fire? Come on. Yeah, yeah. So that was that. And I called David and I said, everything's cool. Okay. So on the session, they did 29 takes. And the solo, uh, David's piano part somehow or another got isolated. Somebody got a hold of the 24 track and somehow or another his piano part got out. And he called me about four weeks ago and said, you know, the reason that song's rushed is because of me. When I heard the isolated piano track, man, it's rushing. It takes off. I go, David, you can't take the blame for that. You're playing with a drummer. Come on, man. You're not pushing him. You just went with the time. You know, don't put this on yourself. You know, I said, David, your time's unbelievable. He says, you know, I never practiced. I go, well, uh, let's see. You were playing on record dates like me, 12 hours a day. You're playing all the time on producing because everything's keyboard based and you're doing a lot of the overdubs. That's practice in real time. Yeah. So anyway, okay. First of all, um, Maurice changed the lyric from is to has. And grammatically, he's right. And uh, Champlain would be the first one to tell you. And um, the only time it's is is on the airplay version, which is mm -hmm. obviously totally different. And we may, we probably recorded that shortly after the Earth, Wind & Fire version, or maybe before. But we knew we weren't going to release the album for a long time because we were busy producing other acts. So we'd work on airplay when we could. So that's the only time it was is. Now, the other thing that people don't know about this song is they think the melody in the chorus is the harmony part. Because when they mixed it, Philip's part, the harmony part, is louder than the lead vocal. Much louder. Oh, yeah. The only version, uh, and Bill's version and my version, uh, my, our favorites are the one that's on my Airplay for the Planet record.
And that's where you can hear the real melody. Because I wanted to, you know, make sure when we cut that, that we got rid of this, the melody being the harmony. It's impossible to sing for almost anyone. And also on the airplay version and on my current, on the, on the version I did on the airplay for the planet, the verse is an F. But on airplay, the verse is an A, so it made it less rangy. Um, it's down a major third in F. Maurice wanted it there. And then when it came to the B section, there's a shotgun modulation that catches your attention. And then they're back to the original key in the chorus. So somebody that sings it in F, if they're going to sing the lead to the whole tune and sing the harmony part as the melody like Brian McKnight does on David's live gigs. Mm. It's, I don't know how he does it. It's too rangy. There's most people would have to do it in falsetto and then it wouldn't have the power, but that's because oh. the harmony part people think is the melody and it's not. Yeah. And of course the falsetto is the essence of what Philip Bailey was doing. So well, it, it fit perfectly for him. That was full voice for him. Yeah. He didn't have a problem with it. So oh. that's why he was the high guy. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to hear the real melody, the the version, the best version is the Airplay for the Planet record. Okay. And I was just listening to that this week, and I, I was going to ask you, like, is there different chords there? What am I hearing different? I couldn't place it. And now he just explained it. Right. Yeah. The base, okay. the chord changes are basically the same in all versions. The intro is way different on the Airplay album. It's a completely other thing. And... Yeah, but no, the changes are basically the same as on the Earth, One and Fire version. And so that song that took you an hour to throw together and Maurice heard almost by accident became a huge hit. It, almost like a artist-defining hit for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. Crazy. And it was a three-charter because, and something I didn't know, man, I mostly produced black acts, more black acts than white acts. And what I didn't realize at the time is that's double charts, like Turn Your Love Around was number one, both pop and R&B. Oh, I see. Which, double yeah. charts, double sales, double airplay, double everything, double the bread. Double the bread. There you go. There you go. But then with the ballad, you also get AC. AC. So we had a three charter. And I mean, it's that paid, man. It still does. That's yeah, a bad tune, man. We really lucked into that one. Well, some people say luck. Some people say, you know, inspiration. Other people just, you know, you do it enough, have enough at bats, and which you guys did. You guys have <laughs> tons of hits. Tons of hits. David was at the right place at the right time for that song. Well, Jay, we could talk to you forever and probably will. Again. Uh, if we get a chance to talk to you again. Tom and John, this time you want. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Well, I got the task of editing all this stuff, so I, I, I might need a, a little break. Uh, all right, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with all this, the stuff you're doing with the Erodes is so cool. Um, all your projects, your books, your YouTube channel, I know is kind of your new pet project. Good luck with that. When that gets launched, let's come back on and let's talk Absolutely. through it. Absolutely. I'm two months away from starting. I'm getting a whole new, all new computers and... I've got to finish the jar album. What I'm doing is I'm making stems for Randy. I just don't have the patience to mix it for some reason. I don't know why. It's it's real good. It's so this is another jar album? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
man. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the jar stuff. That's great stuff, too. Well, that's, man, that's some of my best work and some of Randy's best work. The lyrics, Randy's lyrics are incredible. The songs are really go to outside places that you wouldn't expect. And I think my guitar stuff is where I peaked. It's not going to get any better than that. So maybe we can, um, you know, get some of this stuff sort of under your belt and maybe even like come around summertime for us. We could hit it again and uh, maybe some of this stuff will be out by then. Like you say, the YouTube or whatever. That's, let's, let's do that. You know what I'm going to do, man? When, when we release this, I'm not going to allow it to stream for six months or longer. Randy and I have talked about this. We're not going to let it stream so we can actually sell downloads. Yeah, yeah. Now mm-hmm. people will steal it. I'm sure of it, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to let Spotify rape us until we've sold enough. So you're ready to be raped. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, any physical format for any of the stuff that you got coming out? So CDs, vinyl, there's enough of our audience to warrant CDs. So we'll probably press, I don't know, a couple of hundred, I think we can sell a couple hundred, but it'll be more people will download than will buy the CDs. But yeah. there are, look, if you want the, you know, you want the CD and want to hold the product, you want to see the pictures, you want to read the liner notes. Still you know. all part of it for me. Yeah. Me too. I want something in my hand. You know, it's like, what happened to that? There's something about it, isn't there? Well, then I guess until the summer, Jay. Whatever you guys want. And I'm around. Well, you gave us several uh, hours here, so we really appreciate it. We really enjoy this, and there's so much more. Uh, I can't wait to get back into it, but I need to take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime you guys want. All right. All right. Yeah, well, we'll be in touch. Thank uh, Kirsten again for us, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Take care, guys. Super fun, Jay. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. Yeah, let's talk to you soon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But all good things must come to an end. So uh, we'll do it again sometime, God willing. And uh, what was your favorite story? Let me ask you that. Everything you heard. Oh, wow. Everything that I heard. I'll tell you mine. Okay, go ahead. The discovery of that Steve Kipner album, which is a story, you know, that started out, hey, you know, I'll tell you about my first ever record. And there's a guitar solo yeah. on it that I'm really proud of. I'm like, what? Yeah. I don't know this. So that was cool. That was my favorite story, my favorite discovery in this whole thing. So well, you can never stop learning new things and hearing new Yacht Rock. Yeah, and I needed to know the answer going back to the Al Jarreau scat thing with Jerry Hay and the horns on top. Mm. I needed to know how that was put together. So that was cool to hear. That was part one, yeah. Cool. Yep. All right, well, before we get into a, uh, a final uh, lightning round for the Jay Graydon series, we have a Jay Graydon-inspired supersonic smash up yes six songs they will always be six songs so um we can call it a supersonic smash up six pack if we wanted but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we needed another ass that's good yeah that's true all right so i'm gonna uh this is all jay graden related i'm not gonna necessarily say how but um here it is 
All right. How do you like that? Uh, I got to hear that again. You didn't get them all, huh? All right. Here we go. No. <laughs> here it is again. So are they all Yacht Rock tunes? Uh, no, not necessarily. No. Okay. They're all era appropriate, but they are not necessarily all certified yet. But they, certified. Are, they are certified to be Jay Graydon related. Okay. And they're all within the general Yacht Rock realm. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, let's hear it one more time. Okay, here we go. All right. And then you're going to put it up on our Facebook page. Yep. Yep. And people need to comment there on the original post. Yep. And um, enter a guest. We'll see who gets it. And yeah. see who gets it. Yep. This one might be a little more difficult. Although the other one was difficult. I knew it. And people are asking, you know, entering guesses. And I'm like, I don't even know if that's right, even though I already know. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is a little harder for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, go at it, gang. Um, all right. Cool. Well, that allows us to segue into the lightning round. I think I like our regular sound effect better. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you go first. How's that sound? That sounds good. I have one that you're going to love for Float Your Boat because you originally back one of our very early episodes, you brought the band Shack Attack into the conversation. Recall that? Yeah. I called him Shackalack, I think. You did. Yeah. yeah I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> but since we're there, since we're there um, Shackalack, otherwise known as Shack Attack, did a song with Al Jarreau, otherwise known as Al Jarreau. Did yeah. you know that? I knew El Jarreau was otherwise known as El Jarreau, but not the rest of that. Okay. 1985. Here is Shack Attack with El Jarreau doing Day by Day. Did anyone tell you The Jetsons often come and pass you by In so love So when the loving is in you Appreciate that moment in your It's uh, funny because it sounds like they're sort of still trying to do the same type of thing, just all digital. And you know what that means for me? That does not float my boat. Yeah, drum machine DX70. And it's almost like it's funny because they got Al Jarreau in there. And on the chorus, he's kind of harmonizing against the lead. But because they have Al Jarreau, they... It's like as if they felt compelled to push him further up in the mix. So he's almost too loud in the mix where the <laughs> harmony dominates the lead. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Well, that yeah. goes back to the harmony line overtaking the melody line in After the Love is Gone. Truth. And that's how it ties to Jay Graydon. Yeah. Thank you. In addition to it being El Jarreau, otherwise known as El Jarreau. Okay. My turn to ask you if something floats your boat. Okay. Um, I've already forgotten what I was going to do here. Oh, okay. Hmm. Good. Edit that part out. No. <laughs> All right, so I'm infatuated with this 70s to present uh, album, and uh, we brought up Secret Love. Yeah. Right, so Jay Graydon said that, he, that was just a rough for Mark Jordan, and he's like, but I left it. He kind of laughed. He's like, I just left it. I don't use it. So um, check out that record. Everyone should check out that record, and just you can decide for yourself how yachty it is, but that song in particular, is that one going to float your boat? Definitely think so. Yeah. Um, especially if it had 
gotten sort of completed and come to fruition? I mean, we do know that it ended up in the hands of, uh, I can never pronounce her name, uh, the city pop Japanese artist, yeah. Maria something or other, yeah. And uh, city pop and yacht rock are closely related. But if this song was completed and let's say even like for um, Mark Jordan to sing, it would definitely would have been. It's just, yeah. it's still rough at this point, but it's all the, all the parts are there. I, I love it. It's funny. It might be projecting, but as I was listening to it the first time through, and so I didn't read all the notes yet. And I'm like, well, I know that's gotta be a, a guy from the era. And because it's such a rough for Mark Jordan, I I was convinced it was Bill Bounty. Oh, so go back and listen to it thinking, yeah, because a little raspier than Mark Jordan typically is. And, I don't know. Yeah, and I got the impression that the song was written specifically to present to this artist. So Mark's probably almost singing it as a favor, not trying to be Mark Jordan, but just, you know, let me sing the song for you, demo, boom, done. You know? Hmm, that reminds me then. Mark owes Jay a favor? <laughs> or Jay owes Mark a favor? Yeah, right, I'll let those he does. guys fight that out. The $3,000 favor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move along to A Buried Treasure. And uh, the buried treasure for me used to be that song Sweetheart by Frankie the Knockouts. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Well, and then we had Frankie Private on with uh, some of his other co-writers, right? John and uh, I don't remember all. Stacy. Stacy, um, yeah. yeah. Who wrote a lot of the um, Dirty Dancing stuff. Like huge right. smash hits. Well, the show is getting back on the road. So in, they've cut a new version of Sweetheart, which we're going to play in just a minute. Well, why don't we play that now? Brand new release. Hot off the press. Let's listen to the brand new version of Sweetheart, and then uh, we'll tell you why that's relevant. Hit it. Why, you ask, are they re-releasing Sweetheart? Other than... Oh, I, oh, I know the answer, but yeah. uh, go yeah. ahead. So, uh, you've heard of the Yacht Rock Review, and you've heard of We Will Yacht You, and all these Yacht Rock tribute bands. Well, there's a new one right. emerging called Stranger, and the person who hooked us up with Frankie at all is a promoter, and he's put together this tour, um, and it's happening on, thanks, I'm sorry, Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah. It's called the We Will Yacht You Tour, so I love the name right there. Yeah, We Will Yacht You, although that's a kind of a yacht reference, but anyway. None yeah, that, that's what makes it even better. Uh, yes, so Sweetheart, right? Yep. Um, Valentine's Day. Right. It's being uh, a partnership with iHeart Radio. Right. Oh, yeah. One of the founding members of the band Stranger works at iHeart. Right. And they're playing that Sweetheart tune. So if you're listening to iHeart Radio, you'll hear Sweetheart. So- we are going to the show. We've been invited. And uh, in addition to Stranger, they like to invite up, you know, guests from the era to sing on songs. And they all get up on stage and do a big encore. And we know for sure that obviously Frankie's going to be there. Yes. We also know. Yeah. We also know that uh, Bill Champlin is doing a set. Yes. And he will be there. And we yes, he will. are all but sure that Dane Donahue is going to be there. That is correct. We're going to be there. We are. 
Bill Champlin's wife is going to be there. Tamara, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to try to do a podcast out of all that. At least get talking to Bill and Tamara, correct? Correct. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. If I can keep my palms from sweating. <laughs> I would it's be cool enough just to be in the room and listen to the show, but um, we got a little access I know. To- got all that extra bonus. Yep. Yep. yep so yep. that's interesting. So anyways, forgive the uh, long uh, sort of aside here in regression or digression, I should, should say, but good excuse to play sweetheart. Okay, do I get to do a buried treasure in this episode? You do, yes, believe it oh, or not. Oh, if good. we still All have right. time. What time is it? I have no idea, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it quickly because I'm going back to uh that Stephen Kipner album. Yeah, uh, because, because it just it. needs check out the names on this song. So remember, this is Jay Graydon's first big full album production job, right? And he says this is the one that got him the gig to do the Mark Jordan album. Check out who he's got on this. Larry Carlton. David Hungate, Jeff Percaro, Jay Graydon, of course, plays on it, David Foster, Victor Feldman, Michael Omardian, Steve Kipner, of course, sings. Song is written by Steve Kipner. Backing vocals, Tom, J.C. Crowley, and Peter Beckett, as in the voices Whoa. of Player. And this song is. Wait, hold, say it, that again. But, okay. The, founding the voices members of Player are the backup vocalists. Oh, my God. Knock the walls down. Must have. Must have. If you had to guess when that was going to be set out on your front porch for delivery, what would you say? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that is. I was wishing I already had it so I could hold it up so you could see it. That is the buried treasure of all buried treasures. My God, it's just killer. A definitive buried treasure, yeah. All right. Well, what do you got for uh, off the map then? Jay said that uh, the three best singers he ever ever worked with were. Donny Osmond, Richard Page, and then the third one really surprised both of us, and that was El DeBarge. Yes. So I figured I would go and find us an off-the-map track from El DeBarge. And uh, 1986, the song was written by Jay Graydon, uh, Robbie Neville, hmm. who became more popular in the 90s, and a guy named Mark Muller. Mark Muller is a big-time songwriter that uh, I did not know by name, but he wrote, like, Crush for Jennifer Page. He wrote Nothing at All that Hart did. That's What Love is For, Amy Grant, a bunch of Disney stuff, um, big-time songwriter. And I'm going to play Elda Barge from 1986, Someone. Hearing my favorite bass line, you know, the Yacht Rock bass line where it's one, <laughs> rest, to two. <laughs> but it's not quite the same, though, it's is it? It's being played by two machines, right? And this has yeah. got none of the feels. Yeah, that was 1986. So we, we talked about that day the yacht sank. And here we are, 1986. You got drum machine, you got DX7, you got synth bass. They're playing all the yachty, quote, stuff, but it just isn't the same no, anymore. It's not, don't, don't, that's not to say I don't like it, but 
just not yachting. That's an, right. That's right. All right. Well, last but not least, I got another little off the map or another little gem here, I think, for off the map. So remember, we okay. obviously you remember when we talked to Derek Holt of the Climax Blues Band. Yeah. That's an episode, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to it. I just found him so, like, endearing. And he told the story of how the band broke up, and I felt like he was getting a little choked up. I thought so. And, yeah. and I, I couldn't help but get a little choked up. So it's, it's a sad story. It's an interesting story. But it's a heartwarming story because if you fast forward to 2022, he's actually reunited with a founding member by the name of Richard Jones. Yes. They have a new project out. It's actually dropping a full album. And he alluded to this when we spoke, but uh, it's finally out. If I'm reading my English dates correctly, because, you know, they reverse the order of things. Correct. March 4th is the drop for Holton Jones. The album is called Shadowman. Shadow Man. It's a little di- yeah, it's a little different sounding. It is. It's off the map for sure, sonically. For sure. But uh, a single has been released, so I wanted to play uh, the first release, which came out in January. So it's just a couple weeks old. Uh, you may have already heard it, but if not, here is our debut of Holton Jones' Times Not On Our Side. You know, it is really good to hear these guys getting back together and playing and writing, even if it's purely for the sake of doing it for art's sake. You know, yeah, he's going to be paid forever on, uh, you know, I love you. So why not just make the music you want to make now? Exactly. And I, you know, I've asked this from the very first time we had a guest, uh, like a big name guest. We had Firefall. And I remember I asked those guys, like, is this getting back to you, this whole resurgence? It's yeah, got to yeah. be. I mean, I got to believe the royalty checks are coming in a little bit better. And, you know, they're all starting to join our Yacht Rock Facebook group. So they, they, they sense it. And that's cool. And it gives them, I think, hopefully the encouragement and the inspiration to re-record, get out there and tour some more. And, you know, we all benefit. Well, so. that's also what I like about these sort of tours where it's sort of a house band with some guest shots. Because uh, if these guys, you know, age is what it is. And if you, maybe you can't do a 90 minute or two hour set anymore, but you can do a solid half hour and hit your biggest hits and yeah, yeah. get out there and do that. I mean, we're going to all be better for it. Remember my dream. I told, I can't remember who, but it's, I want to have a, a festival, a yacht rock festival, yeah. like Lollapalooza. Yes. Two days. Just, Oh man, I'd be in heaven. Well, I guess that's a good place to wrap. So we have our trilogy. You talked about whether or not we're going to have a trilogy of trilogies. I think so. Um, I can see the movie poster now, you know, huge yacht and maybe the zombie <laughs> Jay Graydon coming out of it. Yeah. What would, yeah. What would the tagline of the trilogy be? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably. Oi. Or. Ahoy, polloi. This time it's personal. Oh, yeah.